Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. I can officially say it was the last Monday of trade of 2022. So if we can look at a maybe a bright spot, that's it. Because the next two Mondays, markets will be closed in observance of Christmas. And obviously then we'll be already into the new year. Interesting way to start the Monday too, by the way. We saw some negativity happening in the corn, the beans. Even the wheat saw some struggles. And on the livestock side, definitely some struggles on the feeder cattle. Though the live cattle was able to push at least for the most part, have some higher numbers on the trade, and it was mixed on the hog. So many things to look at, some lot of outside influences as well on this trade, as Darren Fessler joins us today with Lakefront Futures. And I think you made the best statement, as you and I were just chatting before this program, was the markets just seem tired. I mean, it's, it's year-end, and there just isn't a lot of oomph happening within this trade. Yeah, I mean, very light volume, which we, we typically see that this, this time frame of year, but it just... You know, with the models, especially the Euro model, and so much focus recently has been on Argentina and whether they get rain, whether they not get rain, uh, and just how good is Brazil, and and the models continue to show plenty of rain there. And, you know, it, the, the question that gets starts to linger, you know, not just producers' minds, but, you know, fund managers, you know, the, we're always talking about the managed money. And, and to me, it could be year-end, and we could just chalk it up year-end, but we, we we have over the last few WASI reports haven't got a whole lot of things from the the USDA to really move the needle from the bullish standpoint. It's been more bearish just simply because one we're playing catch up with the corn exports and that continues to weigh on things. We continue to see black sea grain movement, which continues to weigh on the wheat market. Even though we do have our own issues here in the winter wheat, it's just the flow of grain continues. And when you look at the corn and the wheat market as being one of the more expensive ones in the world, again, it, it's just a continued uh, theme here where the trend remains low on both those markets. Now, Again, it, this is a trade here today. When you look at how strong meal has been really pushing the beans higher, and then you start to see these weather models turn a little bit wetter for Argentina. I'm just looking at the noon run here, and you got good rains moving into the eastern part of Buenos Aires and Cordoba and Santa Fe, the big three kahunas when it comes to Argentina production. Continue to, you know, granted, if these areas get rain, um, it's going to be very, very beneficial because keep in mind, only 19% uh, of the, the bean crop in Argentina is even good to excellent. And they're, and they are about 20% behind normal. So, uh, 50% of the crop is planted, but if these rains can materialize, it's going to allow producers the confidence to get out there and plant and the stuff that's in the field, hopefully try to recover some of this. Cause some of the corn, especially in, in parts of Santa Fe, uh, Argentina is on the brink of irreversible damage. So rain is a absolute must here this week. Big, big weather week for Argentina. And it's going to really cause for some flip-flopping within our market trade as well as we start looking at that potential big picture. Yeah, a big picture. You, you start to wonder if we've been focusing, like I said, on Argentina. If Brazil were to have a 150 million uh, metric ton crop, does does that really negate a five or six, seven million metric ton loss from Argentina when overall South America is looking at 15, 20 million minimum uh, increased production on beans? Probably not. I, it, it's probably just it's simply Brazil has been so good this year. And granted, the crop's not you know, in the bin or, you know, combines are not running yet, but it looks pretty good at this moment. 
Um, and so we, we kind of wonder, you know, past the, past February into the March, April timeframe, when you start looking at the Chinese crush margins and you look at that, those, those spreads between Brazilian origin, U.S. origin, we're not competitive with Brazil past February. So that's a huge question for this bean market. Should Brazil have uh, the upper hand there, you know, later in and later on in a Q1. So it, it's still a battle uh, on the corn side of things too. It, it's not that the dollar is significantly stronger. It's all relative to each other. You've got to look at the U.S. dollar versus the real and say, well, how competitive is the corn market if we're going to be 30 and 40 and $50 a metric ton higher than Brazil, let's say. And Brazil's not even the cheapest. you got our Ukraine. That's the, by far the cheapest. Then you have Argentina. So we're competing with multiple uh, forces in different areas around the country or world, I should say, that that are much cheaper right now. And it's going to be the same type of thing in the wheat trade. Is there problems at germination stand it, it, that we know of right now in the winter? We absolute there is. But we can't we can't be as high priced as we are if grain is flowing out of other areas of the country that just seem to buy, you know, seem to catch the international buyers interest a little bit more. So again, I do think there's certainly some developments that can happen, you know, that on a positive side for this wheat market, it's just, you got to change the, the change the trend and you got to start off doing that technically. You know, you had uh, tweeted out earlier today um, talking about, excuse me, the EU, and looking at their winter wheat crop. And it looks like only a bit of damage, which might mean a good crop for them. Yeah, as of right now, the EU had mentioned that the low temperatures that they've experienced in early parts of December here haven't really had that much damage on the EU crop. Now, uh, obviously, a lot of the Europe, uh, France in particular, is coming off a terrible drought really reduce a lot of the corn yields but we look at the winter wheat crops and, and winter crops around the world at, at this moment outside of the u.s it, they look pretty good all right well stick around folks we do have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of today's Fontenelle final bell we come back we'll talk a little bit more about maybe what we should be looking at for new crop corn and beans 2023 obviously is just around the corner as this macro stuff seems to be the one that matters right now from a livestock perspective we've got some opportunities maybe coming for the cattle and then let's not forget this winter storm that's moving in we know the winter weather has crippled many areas of the Dakotas and western Nebraska but now it's going to hit everybody else more is Coming up, it's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Darren Fessler, of course, with Lakefront Futures. And left off kind of talking about what was happening in the, in the market overall. But let's talk about this new crop, corn and beans. Uh, kind of 23 is around the corner. Is there some nervousness as to what we should be focusing on? I certainly think there is. Uh, to me, it, it feels 
eerie similar to the winter of 13 going into 14. Um, yes, we got some different dynamics now. Uh, obviously, in 12 going into 13 and 14, we came off with some bad weather years. And, and now it feels like we're coming off of, of the inflationary trade or the inflationary narrative. We all know inflation is still here. But with the Fed continuing to raise rates or the, the idea that these corn exports may have to play some really big catch up, um, you know, that. I think has a lot of people nervous here because if you start, you know, punching some figures out here, you start getting sub 550 cash, $5 cash. If we ever get down to those levels, it just starts to get very, very tight financially for a lot of folks. And so to me, it's one of these things where, you know, the last couple of years, the, the markets have rewarded guys for not reacting at this time frame of the year rate you know just wait to see what happens that uh, i hate to put it the store and ignore uh has really been beneficial now do we start to see that again and for the third year in a row i'm i'm looking at these markets i'm saying okay well if i'm looking at the d's 23 corn in particular here we know exports are bad. We know we, we don't know what the weather is going to do. But if we have this La Nina pattern shift over to El Nino, uh, and what happens if we do that in that June, July time frame when these crops are really needing it, do we have a, a $6 or 6 and a half or $7 market potential if these exports don't turn around? If these exports don't turn around, could we be potentially looking at a 1.7, 1.8 billion carry out on the crop instead of a 1.2, 1.3? I think these are all very serious questions guys need to be thinking about here. And still, I know that the, the futures are, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of different things than what the basis has. I've, I've been a basis bull for a long while now, but the threat with the basis has been exports. If we don't export, do we have to have the strong basis? There's certain localities of this country, especially southwest Nebraska, western Nebraska, western Kansas, that are going to be uh, a, a unique situations, unique spots for basis. But that strong basis locally in those areas may not be the justification for a strong basis nationally across the country. Will, will ethanol plants try to fight to keep bushels local? Absolutely. But again, I think that these markets on 20 and 30 cent rallies are opportunities to reward this, especially on corn. I think on the new crop beans, we are getting some opportunities now that when you look at, you know, November 23 beans and you look at a stacked view of the last 25 years, 20 years, we have never been at these high of levels this time frame of the year. And I'm continuing to tell our clients, is, hey, you got to step in here, reward this. That's not to say that we don't believe we can't see some opportunities out the next year, but the stepping us, getting us a starting point for next year, given how Brazil is looking, I think it's prudent risk management here at this point. Let's look over to the livestock side, because I know that uh, we've got some inclement weather that's moving in. We've had some bad weather just this last week that's had an effect on the cattle market. In your opinion, has the cattle market, though, taken into effect uh, what this weather system, both last week and this week, could mean to the markets and cattle weights? Um, I, I think it has to a certain extent. 
uh, I, I think I think we're all we're all trying to wait and see it model by model how really cold or how bad is this storm going to be. Um, but if you look at say the April fats, for example, because that's one I've been trading quite a bit of here lately, we are approaching a rising wedge pattern. Typically, we see those rising wedge patterns form into a bearish uh, trade to come. But you start looking at this 160 level on April. It, you know this has been a level where you know it has been uh, proved to reward it you know, heads, uh, hedge off some risk here. Um, but you look at cattle as a whole here. I still think that we've been talking about this even 10 months ago, Susan, where the structure, the fundamental story behind cattle is still friendly. And I, I'm still sticking behind that. Uh, I, I am concerned, however, uh, with the numbers of cattle that are coming. I do think that is a uh, it could be a bearish thing short term, but I think that over the next six months, again, the story is still friendly. I think in the cattle side of things is how how can the U.S. economy adjust or how can cattle, I should say, how can cattle adjust with the weakness of the U.S. economy? If we can get the consumer a little bit stronger than they are currently, I think that's also conductive for higher cattle prices to come. All right. Lots of great stuff. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Darren. They can reach me directly at 312-858-3668. All right. And of course, make sure you follow him as well on Twitter. Always some good thoughts and comments as to what's happening in the world of agriculture and a little bit more. Of course, we want to remind folks commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that is the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.